0: Hey everybody, Sam Mellinger here, sports columnist with the Kansas City Star. I'm grateful for you listening to the 78th episode of the Mellinger Minutes for Your Ears podcast. Uh, Another great show this week. We're going to be worth your time. We're going to do it this week. Uh, The questions are Chiefs heavy, as you might guess, uh, about where the hype should be, Patrick Mahomes' decisions, Arrowhead Stadium home field advantage, and your guy Daniel Swanson. Uh, the bonus section is about sporting kansas city as they prepare for their uh, first playoff game at home on saturday against vancouver Uh, but we're starting the week where we often do uh, which is the chiefs and you guys like i am not exaggerating when i say that this is the biggest game of the year for the chiefs and it's probably going to be that way until at least the thursday night game at the chargers and look just to be sure, the Chiefs have a path to the playoffs even with a loss this Sunday to the Cowboys. And they have a path even with a loss this Sunday to the Cowboys and a loss in that Week 15 game at the Chargers, which will be a brutal turnaround um, going at L.A. on a Thursday night against a really good team. But because even with the loss to the Cowboys, the Chiefs have gotten through this three-game defining stretch at 2 and one And that includes their best game of the year so far in that win Sunday night against the Raiders. And even if they lost that game to the Chargers next month, the Chiefs would still finish 11-6 and if they took care of the other games. And that's pretty manageable, I think, right? Like, it's twice against the Broncos, home against the Raiders and Steelers, and at the Bengals. I think 11-6 and should be enough to get in the playoffs, especially in this AFC. And if the Chiefs can get into the playoffs, you guys, like, nobody is going to feel great about playing against them. Right. So but this game against the Cowboys on Sunday, I'm just saying this is a really big deal in terms of how they're looked at around the league, which matters deeply to these players. I'm just telling you that. And it also matters in just sort of the credibility that they would have as a Super Bowl contender, because the Cowboys are really, really good. Right. Like they are first in the league in yards. They are first in points. They're first in yards per pass. They're sixth in rushing average, 10th in points against. They're third in DVOA. They had that brutal loss to the Broncos, but these guys won at New England, won at the Chargers. The only loss, the only other loss uh, other than that Denver game was by two points at the Bucks in the season opener. They've got a top shelf MVP candidate at quarterback. They've got one of the best pairs of running backs in the league running behind one of the best offensive lines with a loaded group of receivers. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. The defense gets a lot of pressure. They're fourth in the league in turnovers. I mean, they they just have a lot of different ways that they can beat you. And I'm just telling you how this thing is going to go. I'm just, <laughs> this is just the truth. If they win, the story is going to be that the Chiefs are not just back, but that they are playing as well as they ever have. They're playing as well as anybody in the league. Because I don't know how many teams would have a three-game stretch that would match wins over the Packers, Raiders, and Cowboys. They'd climb higher as Super Bowl favorites. Uh, They'd go into the bye to get rest and would still have, you know, that sort of half-bye after the Thursday night game against the Chargers. They would just be in tremendous position to make, not just make the playoffs, but be strong going into the playoffs and not just be a dangerous team, but maybe even the favorite. If they lose... Again, I'm just telling you how this is going to go. The story is going to be that, you know, look, the Raiders might be a mess, the Packers didn't have Rodgers, and the Chiefs lost to all the best teams that they played. There would have been the Cowboys, the Chargers, the Titans, the Bills, the Ravens. They would be 0-5 against that group, and that is a rough look. And at that point, I think we're talking more and more about the resume of what you would think of as a one-and-done playoff team. And, look, I, I know the tendency here is to think about the Broncos embarrassing the Cowboys at home and see some vul- vulnerabilities, and and there are some with the Cowboys. But, to me, I, I think the response last week against the Falcons just shows a little bit of what this group is about, that they don't fit the mold of that, you know, sort of soft, modern Cowboys, you know, more, more sizzle than steak, right? Um, you know, and this would, like, this game... On Sunday, this is not just like two good teams playing each other. It is two really good teams, Super Bowl contenders, um, and and it's it's also two really good teams playing each other at a point in the season where each side understands it has a lot to prove. That there's a lot on the line, and I just don't think you get this all that often. You know, with with AFC NFC matchups, this is a, this is a rare and kind of special thing. Like, because I actually don't think the Broncos' path when they beat the Cowboys. If you watch that game, I don't think that is very instructive for the Chiefs. The Broncos controlled the game with their running backs, and they've got two really good ones with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. And we know the Chiefs aren't going to go in there trying to run it 30 or 35 times or whatever, right? So for me, and look, I, I know this can be said about any game, um, but I'm just telling you what's on my mind here. And, and I think this one's going to be decided at the line of scrimmage because these are two of the best offensive lines in the league. Cowboys rank 8th in pass rush on Pro Football Focus, and and I think those of us who watch the Chiefs every week can see that they're playing a lot better in that spot the last few weeks as well. Melvin Gordon, or I'm sorry, Melvin Gordon, Melvin Ingram has made just a huge difference there. I think even a bigger difference than the Chiefs probably expected when, when they when they traded for him. So I, I think the protection of Mahomes is going to be particularly important because we talk a lot about the Cowboys being second in the league in interceptions, and you know Trayvon Diggs having a breakout season. But if you watch their games, I think you can also see that those guys can be attacked because they've got some playmakers on defense, the Cowboys do, but it's the type of deal where you can hit them with some double moves, you can isolate them one-on-one, and then just kind of get to work. Like Diggs specifically, Diggs has been housed a few times this season, especially lately on some double moves. And I think it's interesting that you guys can think whatever you want about pro football focus, but I think it's interesting that even with all those interceptions – Pro Football Focus has him giving up more than 18 yards per reception. So if you can get if you can get him, you can get him big. You know what I mean? He's a home run hitter, but his PFF coverage rating is 59, which just for reference, that's slightly below Traverius Ward. So, look, the Cowboys have a really good team, but this is a group that, that I think the Chiefs can move the ball on, especially if they can get Mahomes sometimes, some time. And if Mahomes manages the pocket well, On the snaps where he's pressured, like he did against the Raiders, I think that this could be a big game for the offense. And just, holy smokes, is this a good test about seeing whether the Chiefs have really gotten past all those turnovers that sunk them early. So then I think when the Chiefs are on defense, this is a week where it's especially important to have good communication, have the right assignments lined up and all that, because I'm just saying, like, we don't talk about this. The Chiefs beat the Raiders in a blowout, right? And the Raiders didn't take advantage of the snap. But there was a snap where mercy you guys would have been furious there there was a snap where the Raiders got exactly the look they were going for Deshaun Jackson was going deep one-on-one against Dan Sorensen in coverage for a deep ball but for whatever reason the ball didn't get there and I'm just telling you guys the Cowboys are going to see that on tape and they're going to spend they already have spent a lot of time this week trying to get that exact look that exact situation if Dak Prescott sees it he is flinging it And at that point, a huge shift in the game is going to happen one way or the other. I'm just, look, I am really excited about this game, you guys. I think we're going to learn a lot about the Chiefs one way or the other. Um, You know, the timing of an opponent this good is just really great. Like, we know the Chiefs struggled early. Uh, We know they've been finding ways to win lately. And we know that they just played their best game of the season. So let's let's see what it looks like against one of the best teams in the league, right? So if the Chiefs are what they believe they are, or can be, then they're not going to see a better moment to prove it. And if the Chiefs are just a little off now for whatever reason, Super Bowl hangover, whatever, then this is a moment they might look exposed. So, you know, football is just the best sometimes. And I think this is going to be one of those days. I'm really looking forward to it. Okay. Uh, before we move on to the rest of the show, uh, here comes the spiel. Three asks, and you know it's all good if you only do one or two or even zero. I gotta ask. Uh, the first, please help support us by giving the supports pass a try. Dollar a month for the first three months, or thirty dollars for a year. Just reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever, and I'll send you the links. Second, uh, please rate and review us. We appreciate all the love you've given us already. We see you. We thank you. Uh, we see all the five-star ratings. And that's awesome. But I'm just saying, if you haven't already done that, if you haven't already given us a rating and review, please do. It really helps get the word out. Uh, the third thing, if you want to participate in next week's show, and I hope you do, please call 816-234-4365. Leave your first name, where you're calling from, and almost literally any question. Put the number in your phone call anytime. 816-234-4365. One more time, 816 234 four three six five all right guys i appreciate you quick break and then we're going to hit you with those questions
1: hey Sarah. this is ben calling from oxford mississippi and i had a question for the podcast i was wondering if you think all the hype surrounding the chiefs after a couple wins is warranted at this point or if you think we really still have some room to improve or really just still have to prove ourselves anyway i'd love to hear about it on the podcast
0: Look, I'm just going to be straight up honest with you guys. I have a really, really hard time gauging things like this. Like, is there like a legit ton of Chiefs hype right now? Because like, I honestly have no idea. I, I, I looked this up and you guys know how I feel about NFL power rankings, but the Chiefs moved up five spots in ESPN's ranking, which, you know, that's a pretty good jump, but they're still eighth. I don't think that's outlandish. Is that a lot of hype? I don't know. I just, I have a really hard time knowing what's real. You know what I mean? Like, there's enough inventory of sports opinion, whether, you know, you're, whether, I don't care if you're talking about fans on Twitter or, like, paid radio or TV hosts. I just think you can find whatever opinion you're looking to find. You know what I mean? I really believe that in my soul. So I guess, I, I guess the answer to this question just kind of depends on what level of hype you think the Chiefs are getting right now. My sense is that a lot of people would point out that the Giants stink, that the Packers didn't have their generational quarterback. And that the Raiders win was cool, but the Raiders might also be a bit of a mess themselves at this point, right? But you also asked about the room to improve, and hell, yeah, I think there's room to improve. Like They, they just played their best game of the season, but they still had the special teams turnover. Um, they missed a field goal. They didn't run the ball particularly well against a team that doesn't defend the run particularly well. They had some mistakes on defense I mentioned in the lead, that 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 deep shot that was absolutely there for the Raiders, uh, where Deshaun Jackson was on Sorensen one-on-one. But if we're looking at what the Chiefs need as they hit this stretch, uh, you know, and get into the playoffs, I, I think we can break it down into, like, I don't know, think about it, like, break it down into a few buckets. On offense, they need to get some confidence, and they need some track record of being able to beat teams without a bunch of big plays over the top. The offensive line's been pretty good, and it's been far better than a lot of Chiefs fans seem to think. But there's still a big gap between the performance of those guys individually and collectively. There's a gap between that and how it translates into you know running back seeing the right holes and Mahomes like consistently managing the pocket right. You know what I mean? So look, we haven't talked a lot about this during the week, but I I thought Mahomes was as good as he's been all year at managing the pocket against the Raiders and. That is as good a sign as any for the offense. But that's obviously like something that he still needs to develop some consistency with, right? Because it's something we talk about all the time. Then on defense, I think the pass rush, and obviously this depends a lot on three guys, Chris Jones, Melvin Ingram, and Frank Clark. But everything they do as a defense is based on those guys up front getting pressure. Steve Spagnolo is one of the best in the league at Blitz design and having a feel for when to call the right one. but, Everything they do on defense is determined by the intensity and the consistency of that pressure. And I think we saw what these guys look like without pressure early in the season, right? And that was not pretty. And I think the second half of the Raiders game specifically, I think that's pretty close to the ceiling of what it looks like when there's pressure. So, look, there's other things back there too. Like, like I think Nick Bolton and Willie Gay continue to come along at linebacker. Uh, the corners getting more reps and staying healthy. Juan Thornhill playing center field, you know, maybe adding some playmaking, Tyron Matthew doing his thing. There's a, there's a lot of stuff here that the Chiefs do sometimes, but would feel a lot better about if they turned into habits by the time the playoffs come. You know the difference. You, you, you understand what I'm talking about, right? So, so, yeah, I mean, like we talked about in the open, this game against the Cowboys, who legit might be the best team the Chiefs play all season, this is just such an interesting test for them. So, okay, uh, here's Rob with another question from the Raiders game.
1: Sam Hayes, this is Rob Nassari from Nashville, Tennessee. Just wanted a quick question. Based on the results of the Oakland game, uh, do you see it with the glass half full or half empty as regards to Mahomes' ability to take what the defense gives them and take the the shots when they're available? Or do you think that the game uh, played out to where it validated his ability to take the shots and potentially maybe – enabled him to want to take more in the future uh, games ahead, especially as we see more cover two and all the two high safety situations with the uh, other games. Your uh, your opinion on this would be great to hear, and I look forward to uh, listening to your next podcast. Thanks,
0: So one thing that I think is really true about Patrick Mahomes, he is really smart, and he is an eager learner. And he has the ability to sort of evolve on the fly. And that's almost always a good thing. Um, it's a great thing, really. Like, especially his ability to do it in game from snap to snap and drive to drive. But there are times that he develops some bad habits with that, too. And, and I think he's done that a bit this year with, you know, this struggle between, you know, taking shots that just really aren't there. I think at least a couple things that have happened the last few weeks that are really, really positive for him going forward with this. The first is, seeing the defense, like, flat win some games for the offense. Mahomes talked about this a little bit recently, and he didn't say this part directly, but I think it's logical to believe that some of his early season problems with turnovers and inconsistency came from believing that he had to go get six on every drive or else because the defense just couldn't get stops. And I think that seeing some punts turn into good plays, you know, especially against the Packers, I think that was a big moment for him. I just think that kind of thing can be good for his risk-reward calculations, you know? So the other positive thing going forward, I think, is is what Rob is talking about here in this question, that I think Mahomes has talked about taking what the defense gives, and he's talked about being comfortable with the shorter stuff. But we all know who he is as a quarterback, right? And we know that he wants to push the pedal to the floor a little bit. So I think finally, and, and I'm using that word intentionally here, finally – seeing the right balance of shots and short, of that feeling and like real experience of runs and short passes really opening up the longer stuff. I mean, that's how it's supposed to look, right? Like that's how they've been talking about it, looking for a while. And I think that stuff matters. Um, I really do. I I think all this stuff is positive, but it's important to keep that stuff going because it's a lot easier to keep momentum going and keep it building than it is to come back and build it all back up. So I don't want to overstate it because, you know, life will go on. The Chiefs can make the playoffs either way like we said before, but just from a confidence and credibility standpoint, I I'm just saying this game is so big, you guys. It really is. Um all right, here's what here's uh here's a question from Brian.
1: Hey Sam, it's Brian from Wheaton. Two questions. One, uh, have the Chiefs released tour dates yet for the Petty Patrick Screw You Tour? that uh, I'm wondering if it's about to take off uh, and do a multi-city uh, uh, touring experience. Curious if, as your thoughts if the uh, Screw You Tour is about to begin. Second of all, why did the Chiefs suck at Arrowhead this year? And really over the last couple of years, the inability of the Chiefs to beat teams soundly at home is perplexing. Am I wrong? Thanks.
0: Yeah, so I think we just saw the first one, actually, uh, with him having his best game of the season on the league's biggest regular season platform the same week that he was getting a lot of hate, you know, perhaps most notably from Ryan Clark calling him broken. And that got a lot of attention, not just on social media and, you know, on ESPN or whatever, but I think from people pretty close to Patrick as well. So I also think this week qualifies. Uh, Not just because he grew up a Cowboys fan and not just because, you know, there's some folks close to him who believe that Troy Aikman, who will be broadcasting the game. (laughs) There's some people close to Patrick, I'm just telling you, who seem to think that Troy goes out of his way to dump on Mahomes in some really weird ways. And I guess I should just put this out there, full disclosure. uh, I certainly don't count myself among those who are close to Mahomes, but I would count myself among those who believe Aikman has a weird thing against Mahomes that almost comes off as, like, protectionist. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, Then I think the biggest remaining test after that and the biggest chance for, you know, sort of a petty-pat-screw-you game would be that Thursday night game, week 15, at the Chargers. You... You might remember the Chargers game was really the first time where it was clear that something was wrong because they won the opener, and then you know the Ravens game in week two could sort of be brushed off because of the fumble late. But Mahomes threw two interceptions against the Chargers and just didn't really seem in sync, and they lost a division game against a quarterback he'd spent the offseason hearing about. I just look—I'm just telling you guys—I think that all the elements are in play for Mahomes to have a huge game there. And lead the Chiefs to a win and then do some like sort of pointing to his art, eyes and heart or something like that. You know, some reference to this, like I'll see it when I believe it line about Herbert. I think that is absolutely on the table. We haven't seen Patrick like do something with his hands like that in a while. It is all there. And I don't have to tell you guys that I absolutely love that kind of stuff. So, um, And also... Uh, I'm glad that you asked about Arrowhead and the home field advantage. We do this every once in a while. And the more that I can spread this message, the better I feel about, you know, kind of helping you guys like follow the team, which is basically my job. Um, I'm telling you, you're not going to like this, but home field advantage is mostly a myth in the NFL. And it is a credit to the chiefs marketing and PR staff that it's a particular myth here in Kansas city. So across the league, Home field advantage used to be three, four, five points. And I think across the league now, sports books have really sh- uh, shrunk that, the spread movement, to as little as a point for home field advantage. Um, the Chiefs under Andy Reid, basically, and this has been consistent year after year, they have basically had the same record at home as they do on the road. There's a lot of reasons for that trend, you know, of, of road, road teams sort of getting a fair shot. And we can talk about, you know, travel and science and a lot of things. But for me, the implementation and spread of instant replay has been a huge factor. It's been proven scientifically that officials in all levels and all sports tend to just kind of subconsciously favor the home team. And that makes sense, right? With crowd noise and this, you know, basic human desire to not hear death threats, right? And the difference in officiating is really squashed when teams can challenge calls and have someone in another state look at the replay and correct mistakes. I'm just telling you guys, like, this is a real thing. It's great for the business of the Chiefs that people believe Arrowhead is the loudest stadium in the world and road teams wilt. And, you know, there's that hilarious video from the 90s where the officials basically beg Arrowhead to quiet down for John Elway. That thing is amazing. But the truth is that there's basically no home field advantage for the Chiefs or any other NFL team. And it's been like this for years. It just it is proven in the numbers, guys. I'm just telling you. Um, okay, we've got time for one more question. Here's Mark.
2: Sam, Mark from Overland Park, calling about uh, Daniel Sorensen. It was nice to see him get some accolades last night in the game against the Raiders. And it's kind of hard to see him get on him. You know, the, the guy's doing the best that he can. And our memories can be real short. A couple of years ago in a game against Houston, he made what I think are a couple of game-defining and possibly uh, momentum-turning plays that ended up getting us on to the next round and ultimately to the Super Bowl. How quickly we forget. And, and, you know, the coaches are the ones that put him out there. And so to pile on him, the guy is probably doing the best that he can uh, with what he's got. Uh, I think the guy deserves a bit more uh, accolades and, and love than he's been getting. Enjoy
0: your show. Thanks. Bye. Sort of like the first question, I think this just depends on perspective. Like, I don't know how somebody could argue that Dan Sorensen is a good player at this point in his career. And I don't know how someone could argue that the coaches didn't stick with him above Thornhill for way too long. So you can choose a spot along that spectrum, but I don't think any of us, no matter where we are, would believe that it's all like one or the other. But I'm I'm including this question because I think it's a good perspective and it's a good chance to say something that I think will prove to be true, which is that long term, I really believe that Sorensen will be remembered by Chiefs fans far more fondly than he is at the moment because he's a bit of a punching bag right now. But as the first, you know, five or so games of the season continue to go back into the past, like I just I think Chiefs fans are going to remember him for what he is which is a strong special teams guy, somebody who could come in on certain nickel and dime packages, You know, good blitzer, nice role player who developed a legit knack for making really big plays in big moments. That fake punt against the Texans in the playoffs will probably forever be his signature. But he also had the interception in Mexico City that same season to win the game against the Chargers, and that was a really important moment for the team as a whole and the defense in particular. They really rolled after that all the way to the Super Bowl. And then I think even this year, he had the blitz that pressured Baker Mayfield on the game icing interception by Mike Hughes in the in the season opener. So I, I think that's the stuff that he's going to be remembered for like way more than the struggles early this year. And like you said, I mean, it's coaches put him out there too, right? Like Sorenson's doing the best he can. So um, all right, guys, uh, that's all the questions uh, that we have time for. We're going to do one more break and then we're back with the bonus section to talk about supporting Kansas City and a really I know they're all important, but God, this postseason could take a big swing for them one way or the other. Um, okay, quick break. Okay, guys, let's finish strong. And this week we're going to do it with a few minutes talking about sporting Kansas City. Uh, there's some really interesting stuff here. This is a big moment in the history of that franchise. And if that sounds like hyperbole, fine. But here are a few points. Um Part of the backdrop of sporting season has been this like sort of steady drumbeat of fans wondering if this might be the best team in franchise history. And they've had a bunch of injuries. And I know that's often used as an excuse for lots of teams. But sporting has really had more than, you know, sort of the normal share this season, which has kept this sort of unknown within this like ceiling that a lot of us think can still be there at full health. And now as the playoffs begin, they're basically at full health. Another point, sporting's more sort of recent playoff history is pretty terrible. They've achieved this remarkable consistency, you know, nine playoffs in the last 10 years, and they won the MLS Cup, you know, in a blizzard in 2013. But since then, they've gone one and done, one and done, one and done, one and done, then won one round, lost the next, missed the playoffs entirely, won one round and lost the next that is two playoff rounds one with six eliminations in the last seven years uh it's not awesome right and then there's the way this season ended sporting got just legitimately screwed on a pretty uh, just an egregious missed call by both the official on the field and var and you know peter vermes let loose on that epic rant about it in which he made some legitimately good points and with a different result in the game, Sporting would have secured a first-round bye. So that is part of the story here, too. And we'll get to that in some of the sound that we're going to play here in a second. But I also feel the need to point out that Sporting could have had the bye with a win in either of its previous two games, right? And that the missed call does not force you to give up the game winner almost immediately. So, look, lose this match on Saturday, and I think this season is going to be remembered for a fairly epic fade and failure. But a win gives them a nice boost— some confidence that they can live up to some of what's been said about them all season. So, um, anyway, here is sporting manager, Peter Vermees on finally having a bit of health, uh, particularly with stars like Alan Polito, Johnny Russell, and Gotti Kinda. Having the, the week to, for those guys to recover, not playing him in that game was was important to, you know, their overall health. So I, I feel good that as a staff, we made a good decision around that. And, and now it's, um, them just building up for the game, but I think all in all, everybody is uh, at least on the field training right now, and um, we'll see how the build-up goes, but you know, so far, so good. And then here's Vermees uh, when asked by Ali Trost about whether it could be an advantage for sporting uh, that other teams really haven't seen them at full health quite yet. I, I don't know if it gives us much, because I think everybody knows that Alan what he can do. I mean, everybody knows what Daniel and Johnny can do, so I, I, I think what it, what it is, is, is that gives us, uh, again, if he's, if he's ready to go, it gives us another weapon that's you know it, it, important to the team because having depth and having different players that you can bring on the field that can have an impact is, is always important in games like this. Okay, and uh, now we're going to play two clips from uh, goalkeeper slash suplex artist uh, Tim Muley. First, about any lingering emotions um, or whatever from the missed VAR call in the last regular season game.
2: It's behind us. I, I don't really, I, I just don't want to talk about it. It doesn't make a difference at this point. I, I appreciate where you're coming from. Um, we can't get hung up on things that have happened in the past. We have to look at the things we can control. And right now, what we can control is our match against Vancouver. So that's all we are focused on as a group. What happened, happened. It's behind us. Now we're just looking forward to the, you know, like I said earlier, the, the awesome ability to play a playoff game at home.
0: And then one more clip here from uh, from Tim, and this is more of a general diagnosis from him about where the club is mentally going into the playoffs. I thought there was some good stuff in this one.
2: Everyone's focused. Everybody's locked in. Everyone's extremely excited. We just got to bring it on that day, right? Uh, playoffs is about momentum, uh, and we have to create our momentum in that playoff run. So we just have to be up for the game, and we've got to do all the things that we did to get us here and, and succeed match to match.
0: So, yeah, guys, uh, that time of year, right? Uh, A lot going on. A lot at stake here for Sporting Youths Vancouver. uh, Playoff opener at Children's Mercy Park on Saturday. So, um, Okay, guys, uh, that's the show this week. Thanks to everybody who called in, even those we couldn't get to. Uh, Big thanks to Monty Davis for putting this all together. And as always, the biggest thanks to you for letting us be a small part of your lives. Um, Okay, guys, uh, have a great weekend. Be kind.